Hello and welcome to Shachlair. I'm Marilyn Crellin. Mish Marilyn Crellin, a stashim yamka fell cherry just a clear sure Shachlair. In Shachlair this week, on Shachlair and Kate Shaw, crossing Cloy in the main Asian, stone crosses of the medieval period. We rejoin Sarah Goodwins, the author of a book about these monuments, cross purposes, and introduction to medieval Manx crosses. As me ask us Pearl southwards to Port St Mary, where the chair of Port St Mary commissioners Michelle Haywood and member of Russian Heritage Trust staff and Overguard tell us of their pride of Pearl Lamura. On Shanko Hazelson J Balyabeg Chira Machel. Nishadu Chaumuian Rulik, the cross herd, an inrican cross skira to foster manons manon, Gerdevelad Smunyakton, Durauanernik, Ulyanuskirakin. The cross skira machel, Jintas Clack, any by St. Beedsons, Cumbria, as to fur Jane Assemble and Smoker Jane a tree cathern, granitory. Ereshi Venishadu Rish Imidi Blinton Chaumuian Rulik, Fagaste gyatin na kilye, vi skukit chau stayan rulik uns noiki jeg shak jegas feed, de hiadu e oi and tai krosha. Esht uns noiki jeg kefi dus noi, vi enagoil dus tai tashti vanen, son of e hroglach as frailtis. As uns noiki jeg kefi dus jai, henki a rash dus machel, and ki it shaw, de ve kurits jaks a keel de chorda Last time in Shacklair, we joined Sarah Goodwins in the Cross House in Mackle Parish Church as she told us about what led her to produce an illustrated overview of the stone crosses, not just of Mackled, but of many places throughout the island. Her book is called Cross Purposes, an introduction to medieval Manx crosses, and it's published by Lockton Books at £5.95. In the Mackle Cross House, Sarah was able to point out examples of the different sorts of carved crosses found in the island. Well, here in the Mackle Cross House, which is one of the largest assemblages of the crosses here, we're standing by the Crooks Guriad, which is a very imposing piece, and yet surprisingly simply marked. Indeed, it's actually got some bosses, five bosses on the outside. If you look at it very carefully, there's no cross. Mm. The cross is not in size. Your eye fills in the cross. But the bosses indicate that it was um, had quite a lot of connection with the Picts, the Pictish designs of Scotland. And they, they, they're very keen on their... their the, the, the bosses and it's very difficult to do a cross like this because you actually have to remove a lot of stone to, to make the bosses so although it looks very simple it's actually quite a lot of work and that relationship with the Pictish is quite surprising in a way because we're talking largely northeast Scotland and here we are well I, I looked into this a bit and I found that um, the Vikings and were coming from Norway they sort of stopped off in that area probably to do a bit of rape and pillage and, and, and refuel and all the rest of it and they probably brought some of their culture with, with them and possibly picked up some of the, the Pictish culture as they came on to the Isle of Man I mean one of the crosses here to my mind that's one of the, the the most special is immediately behind the cross that we're, we're talking about and it's over on the wall mm-hmm. it, it shows um it's, it's it's actually quite a large cross it's a celtic cross quite simple quite simple you know the cross with the circle around it and it shows two figures 
seated either side of the cross shaft talking to each other. Now, they, they could just be monks that have paid for the cross to, to, to be carved, but it's much more likely that they're actually St Paul of Thebes and St Anthony the Great. And this, this to us is a little bit obscure, but to a medieval person, this is a very important story. It's a bit like we would now know the Good Samaritan. Um, they knew St Paul of Thebes and St Anthony the Great. St Paul of Thebes was an anchorite. St Anthony was told in a dream to go and talk to him. And St Paul is the effectively one of the first hermits, and St Anthony started off the monastic tradition. But what's particularly interesting about this cross is that there's another one, almost exactly like it, in Fowlis Wester in um, Scotland. It's about the same size... It's very much the same design. The Fowlis Wester one isn't quite so weathered. I mean, it's been inside longer. Um, the, the crosses do need sheltered accommodation. Um, but the the actual design is so similar, I I just cannot believe that's an accident. I think the they were either carved by the same person or they possibly, the, the, the carver from the Isle of Man visited there or they visited here or possibly they were both apprentices to the same master mason and I just find it fascinating that there's this almost direct link with somewhere that's actually really quite a long way away. Mm. Well you mentioned the Pictish and now the Celtic crosses but you mentioned in passing the influence of the Vikings as well. Yes well at the other end of the cross house shall we go there? There's a little tiny cross, well it's, it's a cross shaft, and that's got what's called a bore design on it, um, or sometimes called a ring chain, um, and it's named after a Viking ship burial in Norway, simply because of the design. The design was the first time that they found that design anywhere, or at least the first time anybody recorded it, people probably knew about it, but they hadn't called it anything. And the interesting thing about this is that everywhere else, it's the other way up. But on the Isle of Man, it's this way up. So again, there must have been that connection that possibly the carver saw it when it was being carved flat and didn't know which way up it was going to go, took it, brought it home in his memory and made a carving himself. It's, it's sometimes referred to as the, the, the gout design because there, there is a cross in, I think it's Kirk Michael, that says, uh, gout made me and all on man. Well, he didn't make all on man because there's 500 years of it, but he probably did make all the ones in his lifetime, and he particularly liked this design. So again, we've got the connection between the Isle of Man going all the way back to Norway. And here in Mackle, I suppose, with having been a monastery, a large monastery area, I suppose in some ways we'd find more obviously Christian ones, whereas in the likes of Kirk Michael that you mentioned, there's a stronger Scandinavian element, and not even necessarily a Christian element. Indeed so. There's a, there's a lot of, of, of legends of um, Viking sagas and whatever that are included in a Christian cross. We would think that odd nowadays, but they, they saw nothing wrong with it. And, you know, the Viking re- religion actually was, a, a I think it's called pantheic, lots of gods. And so they just saw the Christian god as another one. And they, they, they added all their symbols to a, a, the, Christian, the, the, the Christian cross. There's one like it here, actually. It's a quite, quite a short cross. And it's got a hunting scene going up the side, which, again, is very much a Viking sort of thing. All oh, right, that's at the other end. That's at the other oh. end. It's quite a small one. It's, it's this one. And there's a, there's a hunting scene at the side. But what I find fascinating about the hunting scene is that it's, it's a typical hunting scene. You've got uh, people on horseback and dogs and, and hunting deer. But there were no deer on the island. So how did they know what it looked like? <laughs> Because, I mean, there, there were deer thousands of years before and hundreds of years after, but at the time the cross was carved, there were no deer. So again, either they've been told, or they've seen something else, or they've possibly seen a pattern book, because we, we know that they did have such things as pattern books that they would, would, would lift out patterns that they particularly liked. Mm. 
the crosses range from very simple designs, as you say, there's not even a cross marked on the Crooks Guriad, to this particular one with the hunting scene. And it's not just a hunting scene, there's a very complex chain pattern there as well. Yes, there is. The... the um you can actually date across, or at least an expert can, I'm not sure I could date across, but you could actually date across from the complexity of the pattern. If it's swirling lines that, that don't cross, it's quite early. If it's swirling lines that interlace, it's sort of the middle period. And if it's got hunting scenes or animals, then it's much later. Mm. There is another um, Viking design here which is unique to the island, and that's on Hayden Cross, and it's just behind us. It's extremely faint, but you can just see it. That's the Viking ship. Yes. Um, some experts think that that was um, a graffito, but I, it seems a bit complicated for a graffito for me. I mean, I, it, these things would have been important. The crosses weren't just something to be dismissed. They were put up because they were important. I can't imagine somebody tolerating somebody carving a graffito into their cross in memory of whoever it was in memory of. I think this one was in memory of his daughter. Uh, Hay- Hayden put it up in memory of his daughter, I think. There's also a nice thing in the the um, runes, which I can't read runes, but I have lo- looked it up, and it said Arnie carved the runes. So it's um, early advertising. And the uh, Viking ship like that was one of the early symbols of the kings of man as well so how important might the stone be (laughs) well again i I, it's difficult to tell there's 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 this tantalizing sort of hint at the the history but it's it's almost impossible now to trace it back with any certainty Mm. over the course of it have you developed any particular favorites yes and no there are some that i like particularly because they're quirky i mean up on the the wall behind us there's a a very small picture of a, a wild boar and I think he's dinky he's probably not intended to be dinky he's intended to be sort of fierce and possibly part of a hunting scene again but I, I rather like him um, and I'm very fond of the the great big crosses in um, Kirk Michael and Kirk Andreas they're, they're just magnificent I mean they're just splendid and the amount of work and time it would have taken to have done those I think, mm. I think are amazing mm. there's also a very interesting again we're going to have to tramp down the cro- oh, <laughs> cross houses yep. at the other end <laughs> Which is this one, which is quite small, but it's it's again it's in Latin and it's set up to Itsbli the bishop. Now, the first bishop that we know of on the Isle of Man was Rulwa, but Itsbli was two hundred years earlier because mm. the cross is two hundred years earlier, so it might have been predating Rulwa by two hundred years. Mm. On the other hand, I'm told that bishop at the time can just mean the um, the overseer of of the, the lay clerks of the monastery. So perhaps he's just a, a, a top monastery official or something. Yes, but even so, he must have been held in very high regard, considering the work that's gone into that stone. Indeed, yes, and I think that's something that we we possibly overlook in these stones. You know, they're they're, they're large chunks of rock, but it took somebody hours and hours and hours to carve them. And not just that, it took some the other people in the his community time to support him because obviously he wasn't doing the farming if he was um, carving the cross. He wasn't feeding his family as as a subsistence farmer. So the community must have been prepared to support him either by money or by goods while he was doing that. So the whole community thought this was an important thing to do. Sarah Goodwins, author of Cross Purposes, an introduction to medieval Manx crosses. At 7.45 this evening, Thursday the 27th of August... 
you can go along to St. Catherine's Church in Port Erin for a concert by Castletown Metropolitan Silver Band. It's free admission with a retiring collection. Next Wednesday, the 2nd of September, there'll be an acoustic concert in the Sailor's Shelter on the Quayside in Peel, and that's from 7.30 to 10 o'clock. Entrance is free, but a £5 donation to charity would be very welcome. Teas and coffees are available, or bring your own refreshments. And you can also pick up a voucher for a two-for-one chippy deal. Also on Wednesday, the 2nd of September, St. Thomas's Church in Douglas will be having the third in its series of summer concerts, presenting the Regal Singers. The concert begins at 7.45 and admission is free, with a retiring collection in aid of the church. How to be Lord Macian Crosh and Vannon and Keats Jerry on Shachler, Dim Rare Sarah Goodwins, Dorau Clach, Grenis Ek Juna Saget, Enegethen Ek Shan Lerach Hillion Skira Machel. Genach Rawe Im Rare Tegatre Vaughan, Vashen Nachiangler, Rish Kushella Jayen Clare and Shachn Shaw High, Erin Orr, Dorau Shin Lord Macian Lel Muratoshi. Van Heel Red Hurad and Clach Shen, Kiel Wurra, Elagi and Verul. Mahail Shin, the first Imadi Bool Kashrakit, then New Murra, Unsmanen. Mahail Shin and Dan Yorish W.W. Gale, as Tegim Rare, Hock Chivrakin, Echud Slu Kashrakit, then New Murra. By Jerby, Dusk and Yindisabi, Pert the Murra. Unsakasl's Chirij, a shaky jag as Shak, Yorish John Speed. To bane a cavil, uns pertlemurra, tashmnit as cavil orngi, as mishen for the develshen salshaka, de rauen heel smoker, hugger enem dan valiabeg cheera, ne lairach scan shawl. In 1902, a grand Manx fairy extravaganza was performed at the Gaiety Theatre. It was called King Governor Gay, or the Magic Cup and the Begin of St. Trinians. It included pieces from Manx National Songs, but there were also two original songs, with music written by Harry Wood and lyrics by William Hanby. One of them was I'm a Native of Peel, and the other was The Pride of Pertlemurra. And there's been a new initiative recently, underlining a sense of pride in the history of Port St Mary. So let's go off to the port, where we hear from Chair of Port St Mary Commissioners Michelle Haywood a member of Russian Heritage Trust, staff and overguard. We're here in Port St Mary, and on one side of the road, we have Plantation Road with one of the road signs, one of the street names put up by the commissioners. And on this side, we have Red Achrink Cronk Road. Now, what are the general responsibilities of the authority concerning these sort of names? We're in charge of maintaining all the street signs and making sure the signage is accurate. Um, we've had some questions recently from residents over down at Perwick Bay, whether it's Perwick Bay Road or Perwick Road or Perwick View. Um, and so we've been you know, back through the land registry uh, resolving issues like that. Um, but other than that, we're usually involved in replacing signs as they become worn and faded over time or repainting them. Mm. That's a rolling programme. 
<laughs> well, it is. I, I've got one on the side of my building that's um, Gellings Avenue, and it's hand-painted black lettering on a white background. And when we had the scaffolding up, I repainted the sign by hand <laughs> very, very carefully. And then when they suggested they were putting a new sign up that had the uh, commissioner's logo on everything, I threatened them that they shouldn't take the uh, Victorian one down because I think it just adds something to the character of the building. I think Port St Mary must be the earliest authority on the island to use Manx in their names when they were put up. They put up the Manx in green, which unfortunately rather faded before the black did. So. <laughs> <laughs> but these days now, the, the Manx on the other signs is in red. But you now have a new crop of signs. Yes, uh, thanks to a project that came from Russian Heritage Trust. and They approached us to say that they'd been... In, um, as part of the writing the book on, on Port St Mary, Living with a Sea. So uh, as a consequence of that, that there'd been quite a lot of research done and that they thought it was a really interesting project to start explaining the names of roads and, and historically how those roads have come to, to fit. And it goes in very nicely because we've already got a history trail around Port St Mary that shows you views of Port St Mary in days gone by from the same location so you can compare it to now. So it kind of fits nicely with telling the story. Mm. And Stefan Overgaard from Russian Heritage Trust, this is from your own experience? Yes, that's right. I, I was in, in Germany some, yeah, I think, three years ago, and then I saw a sign of of, of, of Mr. Bernd Strauche, and I thought, I mean, who, who's that, Bernd, Bernd Strauche? I didn't know about him, of course. I was out walking my dog early in the morning, and then I thought they have, should we say, they put a small sign beneath it with an explanation of who he was, and he was some kind of governmental person uh, in Hanover. And, and I thought that was, this was, was a good idea. So I took a photo of it and said to myself, perhaps in the future I, I will use the idea. So, uh, and here we are. Yeah, that's so funny because the Heritage Trail came from a magazine article that I read where the photographer had held up an old photograph and taken the same view but with the photograph sort of superimposed over it and yeah. that was what led to the Heritage Trail was yeah. I would saw it and it, it just immediately hits you and you think that's such an excellent idea to be able to look and say oh, that's now and that's then which is where those signs came in obviously yeah. I can't make everyone hold photos up and line them up <laughs> but finding the old photographs mm, yeah, and putting yeah. them in the right location so you yeah. could do that was, was exactly the same driver yeah mm. uh, I, I, I think should we say, our design is much better than the German ones because they've just used, they, they just used the old sign and then the, underneath they hang the, another small little sign. But it, it works in the same way, really. You, you get information about the place. I mean, otherwise it would be very difficult, really. Who's Bernd Strauche in Hannover? <laughs> yeah, so perhaps you could describe the sign for us, what, what it consists of, the new, the new crop of signs. Yeah, there is there is a logotype of Port Saint Mary on the top, and then we we started with a, with a Manx name of the street or the road or, or the bay or whatever. And in, in the old times, the, the old signs, they sometimes they have the English one name on the top, or sometimes the Manx one. But we thought it's better to have be, be consistent to have choose the Manx on the top, and then the English version beneath. And there, then there is a, a text underneath describing. Uh, What's about you is the Rednikrink, and then we have the Russian logotype on the on, on the low below. Some years ago, there was a suggestion that perhaps there should be QR codes erected so people with smartphones and pads could scan them and get other information. But this has a wonderful simplicity, which is so straightforward. I think we, we put QR codes on the history trail, actually, and it links you through to a page that basically shows you the whole history trail. But unless you're going to curate a website that sits behind that and keep that up to date and maintained, then it just adds another layer. Whereas a lot of these projects work because they are so simple and that 
they're there and they're standalone and people will stumble across them. They're, we've picked 10 locations throughout the village, but people will find those. We have more that we will do and that's in the, in the programme for next year. But we like the idea that it's not a fixed point of reference. It's something that somebody's going to suddenly discover and it'll be that moment of, oh, I never knew that. Um, and, and that's lovely. That serendipity is, is just great. So how many of the new signs are there that have been erected now? There are 10 in the initial uh, round of, of signs. Um, and then we have plans, I think, to do 15 next year. Because obviously there's a cost implication for the village in doing it. And we don't want to necessarily rip out decent road signs that actually do the job of telling people where they are. But we, we were picking out the most interesting stories and names to go with it. Um, and, and gradually we'll work through replacing them. We hadn't just prepared for 60 signs altogether, including those nine. So there, there's about 50 left uh, that we can do. So we have the text and names ready. And the text has been, should we say, we've been going through together with Culture Vanin. And Chris Scher has been very helpful in, in that, that respect. And particularly this one, we had some big problems because we didn't know what, what exactly the, the, the meaning. So we had I also had some conversation, email conversation with George Broderick in Germany as well. And um, and also we had, I mean, from the book, we have edited down the text so it will suit the sign. That that's the help of John Quirk at the uh, at, at the, the trust, the Russian Heritage Trust. Thank you to Russian Heritage Trust for suggesting the idea, and and we're glad that they sort of offered to work with Ports Mary on this project because it is just fab. We're really enjoying it. Yeah, and uh, we have them ready to be produced, and it's just up to the. To the, to the town here to, to decide when and where they should go and sometimes you will see one sign at the start and one at the bottom of the street and sometimes you just see one sign and we have also we also made some new signs of, of streets which not have been named before by the Cluxton Gut mm. which you can see right now and there are a few others as well You discovered during the project, in fact, that there are a number of small lanes that don't even have a name which cause some confusion yeah, quite a lot of time in, in board meetings we sit there discussing small lanes that run down, particularly from the high street, and, and they're not named lanes, but we have to discuss and describe them by where they are located and, and what buildings they're opposite in order to make sure we're talking about the right thing. Google Maps helps a bit on that now. We kind of zoom in and go, this one here, but it would be so much handier if they were all named, which is a part of what the project has done, is, is pull out some of those older names where there weren't street signs because it wasn't a street as such, but it is just that little lane. Mm. Well, we've moved up to another of the new signs now, Truggan Road. To give it a southern pronunciation, Bera Truggan. It's a northern <laughs> pronunciation there, Bera Truggan. Bera Truggan, then, what's the, what's the derivation of that? Oh, as it says, the word Truggan comes partly from Struggan, snail. Truggan lost the letter S and originates from the Manx word Struan, meaning stream. And it also comes from the old Norse word Snalla, or snab in Swedish or schnell in German, if you like. And, um, yeah, and it kind of goes down down at the, at the Gridle Glen area over there. In researching the names for this project, then the fact that you have the Scandinavian languages to call on must make it a, a lot easier, because there must, must be quite a few, like Perwick and so on. Yeah, that, that, that's right. And it's also, should we say, a difficulty, because I'm, should we say, ending up with the, with the Scandinavian names, and many here with, with, with a Gaelic background ending up, should we say, with, with a Gaelic meaning. But I think we have, should we say, agreed on many, on many names, that they are both, should we say, Scandinavian and, and Gaelic and sometimes English as well. 
Yeah. But I can mention the roads which we have done. It's, we have done Fisted Road, Clifton Road, mm-hmm. and then we have Trugan Road here. And then we've done Crunk Road and Alfred Pier, Lime Street, Bayview Road, Cadenquirk Footpath, and the Claxton Gut, which is a new one. Mm. Claxton because there was a man having a, a coal shed on top of the of the oh, of, of that gut. Good morning. Chair of Port St Mary Commissioners Michelle Hayward and Member of Russian Heritage Trust Staff and Overguard. Staff and also led the project to produce the book Living with the Sea and his research into the names of the highways and byways of Port St Mary for a chapter in the book has now led to this further initiative of the set of informative signs that can be seen in the port now with more to come in future years. That's it from this edition of Shackler, but you can join us again next Thursday. Until then, from me, Darren Tresh, Envo, Marilyn Crellen, Sledden You, 